awesome. We use that word uh, to describe so many things that aren't actually, but moms, that's not one of those times. They really are full of awe when we think about all they've given to us. And this is the day we get to celebrate them. Well, relationships, there's that relationship we have with our moms, and when that's healthy and good, that relationship really never ends. Uh, I don't get the privilege of having mine come up and stand next to me while I preach, but trust me, had I invited her up, had she been here, she'd asked me to sit down and she'd have preached. She was such an outgoing, feisty, feisty woman. But an important relationship that goes on all throughout our lives. And we have this other relationship that we've been engaged in and expressing, uh, responding to so far this morning. This relationship with God. And you've heard mention, I'm sure, of the love of God. You've experienced, if you're a blessed person and you had a healthy relationship with your mom, most of us did, you've experienced the love of mom, I hope. And most of us that are in this room, since I know most of the people in this room at some level, I know have experienced at some level the love of God. But some are still searching for that. Some are still wondering, love of God, what's the love of God look like? What's the love of God about? I hear God loves you, and it sound, it's a concept to me. I haven't experienced that, but I might like to, if there even is a God. And if you've experienced the love of a mom, you have in some ways experienced something like, at least, the love of God, because when it comes to loving their children, when it comes to that relationship that we're focusing on today, moms and God have a lot in common. The love of a mom looks a lot like, and even feels a lot like, when it's at its best, the love of God. I am a friend of a woman who's a friend of many of us. She uh, is a friend of our church. She and her husband and family used to be members of our church, and we still get the privilege of seeing them once in a while, Susan O'Rourke. And I was reading Susan's Facebook post of a week or two ago, and I thought I'd share it with you. Here's her Facebook post. Because the love of a mom and the love of God, are a lot, they have a lot in common. They're a lot alike. And tell me if you don't hear the love of this mom, Susan O'Rourke, and, and see something that looks a lot like the love of God. Susan wrote this. You know you're a mom when... You feel a very unusual need to take the dog for a walk on the darker side of dusk, and you just happen to see an unknown teenager on a random roof. And the boy has a couple of deer-in-the-headlights buddies staring up at him. So you settle yourself as comfortably as possible and say to this unknown teenager on a random roof, the teenager you've never seen before and you don't know who owns the roof, you say to this teenager, sweetie, I'm not moving on until both your feet are firmly implanted in the grass. And I've got all night. Can you just see that swagger? I don't know how ladies do it, but it's like, I've got all night, you know, looking up. And then her post goes on to finish by saying, 20 minutes later, he was on the ground and all three boys were saying, thank you, ma'am. That's the love of a mother, even towards someone who's not her child. And it's a lot like the love of God. Sweetie, 
Time for you to come down here now. I'm not going to watch you fall. I'm going to watch you climb down. Isn't that just like a mom? And isn't that just like God too? Has he found you a few times during his dark side of the evening walks, climbing some places you didn't need to climb, taking some risks you didn't need to risk? When it comes to the love of our children, the love of children, moms and God's have a lot in common. If you've experienced the healthy, rich love of a mom, you experience something like the love of God. And we shouldn't be surprised by that because the Bible often compares the love of God with the love of a mom. The Bible all over the place, front to back, has illustrations like this that try to help us understand the love of God by referring us to the love of a mom or the love of a woman towards someone that she cares about. Scripture does it for good reason. And here are some of those texts. I want to read some of them to you. We have them also up uh, on the screen for you. But for instance, listen to Isaiah 49. And listen specifically for those illustrative references of love of God that expressed through the illustration of a love that a mother has for her baby. Zion said, Israel said, the nation of God said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Things that are supposed to click aren't clicking. He's forgotten me. And here's God's response. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? And all of us know enough to recognize the absurdity of that question. Even unhealthy moms can't forget the baby at their breast. And forget the child she has born, though she may forget, and she ain't forgetting. Though she may forget, God says, I will not forget you. Or Hosea 11 It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. So this mother-child image again. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek and bent down to feed them. Imagine that mom grabbing the baby who's got his hands up like this and she reaches down. Who can resist that? Reaches down, picks that little baby up and just cuddles cheek to cheek. That image of a mom and the love for her child again. Or Isaiah 66. I think I'm reading more here than you have up on the screen, but I want you to get more of the context. Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, all of you who love her. So he's not speaking here to Jerusalem, but people who love Jerusalem and care about Jerusalem and care, therefore, about the, the initiative that God's taking uh, for redemption in the world. Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, all you love her, all who love her. Rejoice greatly with her, all you who mourn over her, for you will nurse and be satisfied at her comforting breasts. You will drink deeply and delight in her overflowing abundance." For this is what the Lord says, I will extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will, again, nurse and be carried on her arm. See the little baby just kind of hanging, facing this way, hanging over mom and feet dangling. 
and dangled on her knees. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. So often the Bible uses imagery of mother and child to describe the love that God has for his children. In so many ways, the love of a great mom has much in common with the love of God. If you've known a mother's love, you've seen some example of God's love for you. Here's some, some of the characteristics that they share in common, and we'll see examples of it throughout Scripture. I'm sorry, I don't know what, a, what it is I'm allergic to up here, but every time I preach, it's with one of these. Isn't that fun? Like God's love, a mother's love is emotional. It's emotive. There's, there's a pathos tied to it. It's not sterile. It's gutsy. It feels something really, really deep. This is a picture of my mom when uh, she was frail. This is just a couple years before we lost her. But my mom, it's an understatement to call my mother feisty. Understatement, drastic understatement. My mom was one of the first women in management in the Silicon Valley, back when there were still prunes there. She, she was feisty. My dad and my mom were in love with each other, and they were married. Dad died just before their 50th anniversary, so don't get me wrong, but never were they bored with each other. Mom wouldn't let that happen. Mom was an extrovert, uh, very brainy or intelligent person, uh, uh, and dad was more low-key and less spoken, although he wasn't afraid to speak. But our walls had holes in them from that healthy relationship mom and dad had. <laughs> I remember my old man a couple different times. I wake up in the morning and he's standing in the hallway with plaster of Paris, stuffing newspaper in the hole that was about this big around. Interestingly, it was about the same size as his fist, I remember put newspaper in there and then cover it with plastic and those never quite heal, you know, those scars in the wall. And they were because, what's that, Dad? Your mother. Sometimes, you just drive them up. I remember one time driving to San Francisco, he and I were working on some projects in Hunters Point together when I was in high school. And I said, we we're talking about marriage and all the things that sons and dads talk about on a trip. And, and I said, one thing for sure, Dad, and I thought he was going to agree with me on this point. I know when I get married, I'm not marrying someone like mom who always talks back to you. <laughs> My dad said, oh, kid, that'd be the biggest mistake you could ever make to not marry someone like your mom. Marry someone exactly like your mom. I said, I don't want to punch holes in the wall. Every once in a while. Eventually, dad, you're going to find the stud. Oh, you know, the, and the wall's going to win. <laughs> and he said this to me, he said, you marry a woman with some verve so that when you die, you know your kids will be okay in this world. She's got some, some substance to her. He just loved her. She doesn't look all that feisty there, but man, she really was. There was one thing that my mom found most difficult uh, when we were growing up because her love, like the love of God, was an emotional love. She found it very difficult when I was growing up 
to accept the possibility that I might miss out on my best future, that I might turn out to add up to nothing. And she expressed that quite passionately sometimes. It drove her to tears to think that I might choose to be something less than I could have been, or even worse, choose to be something less than I really wanted to be because I was lazy or whatever it was. And I have no idea how many times I caused her to trade a night of sleep for a night of tears. I don't know how many times she went into her room and wept at night, worrying about, you moms know, worrying and praying and, and wounded by me maybe. Because a mother's love is like that. It's, it's not calm, it's emotive. It's emotional. And so is God's love, interestingly enough. Look at Luke chapter 19. Because this is an emotional relationship God has with us, an emotional relationship Jesus longs to have with us. This is Jesus as he's just before, it's the triumphal entry. So we're just before Easter. (coughs) As he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. There's emotion there. And he said, oh, through his tears. Now you have to hear him trying to speak through tears here because he's weeping and sobbing and all the things happen in his body that happen in ours when we weep and we sob. And he spoke as though he were at a funeral trying to speak. Choking up, stuttering, snotty nose. He said to Jerusalem, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side and they will dash you to the ground. You and your children within your walls, they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. So this is all Jesus knows gonna happen as a consequence of Israel's choice because they didn't recognize him and welcome him. Now we know what's gonna happen. Not so much out of, not at all out of God saying, okay, I, you didn't recognize me and I'll show you. But because of their choice, these things are gonna happen. Can you imagine the deep feelings of a parent who knows destruction is awaiting their child? This is an emotional love, deeply, deeply emotional love. And I asked the question, we've got God crying when he recognizing, recognizes what's going to happen with Jerusalem. Does God still cry over some of the choices we make? I mean, can you imagine? Does, I wonder if God watching us with choices we get to make about life, saying, oh, no, no, my son, no, oh, please, and weeping. I don't know if God still weeps. I know moms weep still and always will. And I suspect that God does too. Why? Because moms and God have a lot in common when it comes to the way they love their children. And their love is an emotional love. It's a deeply stirring love. It's also a strategic love. That's the second thing they have in common. It's a strategic love. When our kids were small... 
One of their parents was concerned more about them doing their homework, thinking strategically about how what they did today is going to affect their future and the choices they'll have available to them, one of their parents. The other parent was mostly concerned about when and where the next pillow fight would be and when the kids would get so heavy that they could no longer stand on the top of the couch and dive knees first into his back. And I'll just let you guess which was which. As little Josh and I were wrestling at the bottom of the stairs. (coughs) Just wanted to play all the time. Both of us were playful, really. Both of us cared about our kids and their futures. But it was their mom who was best at making the difficult decisions, at saying no to this and yes to that, that would be most helpful to our children's future. We both loved our kids and still do to death. But hers was a more strategic love, like the love of God. There's this thing tied to that love that wants the very best for the very longest time possible for a mom's children, for God's kids. Not just an emotional love, but a strategic love as well. Just like God. Look at Matthew 23. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and look for the, 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 the hint of a plan, a strategy for God's children. He says, Jerusalem, you, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent you, how often... And here you go, the strategy. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. I have a strategy for you. How often I longed to implement it, to correct you, to help you, but you were not willing. Now your house is left desolate. That's not what I had planned for you. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's a strategic love that he's expressing there. Or Jeremiah 29, which many of us know and claim as one of our favorite texts. This is while Israel, this is long before Jesus, but Israel is in exile and they're calling out to God. Was this the plan you had for us? And the Lord says, this is what uh, I had for you. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, so 70 years of exile are completed, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. And here's strategy all over the place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I know the dreams I have for you, declares the Lord. I know the intentions I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God's desire is to take steps to protect his children, just like a mom's desire. God's desire and his plan is to give his children a good future. You won't interview a single mom in this room today, if you had the chance to do that, that would tell you she had anything other than that in her heart for her children. And and in many cases, even for other people's children, that's how children, that's how strong this love of a mom is. A mom's love is a lot like God's love. If you've experienced a mom's love, you get a little taste of God's love. It's a very special relationship you have between you and your mom. And it's a special relationship God longs to have between the two of you as well. And then finally this. So you've got 
This love that's emotive, emotional, this love that's strategic. Finally, this point. God's love and a mom's love are alike in that both of them are assertive, almost combative sometimes. When moms see their children in trouble, what do they do? Sit and watch? No, they fight for them. They'll even go outside of their character almost to fight for them. You'll do things that you wouldn't normally do in your sane mind. To step up for your kids when you see that they're being oppressed or hurt or ignored. This is a picture of my mom's mom, my grandmother. We called her Banga. Looks like a peaceful lady. She was a peaceful lady. She was very small, too. She was about five foot two. And in her younger years, she weighed about 190 pounds. Her brother, on the other hand, was six foot three, about 200 pounds. And there's a well-documented and confirmed story in our family of a time when my grandmother had her six children. She had eight, actually. Two of them died. She had six kids that she was raising. This was a time during the Depression. And her brother, I don't know how, we don't know how, we might not want to know how, but he came to own a brand spanking new Oldsmobile. And he was proud of this brand new Oldsmobile. He put the first miles on this Oldsmobile during the Depression. They were in Sacramento where she raised her children and uh, she went to get something for them to eat, went to the refrigerator, no milk, nothing in the house to eat. She had all six kids, so it's gonna be quite a task for her. But she went to her brother and she said, hey, you have this new car, will you drive us to the store so I can get some food? Uh, for your nieces and nephews. And her brother said, no, because I don't want to put the miles on my car and I don't want, to get it, want it to get all dirty. So no, you, you can walk. And she had those six kids, so that meant she wasn't going to get the food for the kids. That's what it meant. Shortly after he had said no to her, my grandmother overheard a young lady that, my, that her brother fancied also ask for a ride. And she wanted him to take her to the drive-in hamburger stand. And he responded, of course, yes, I will take you. So my grandmother, five foot two, 90 pounds, went and found a brick, walked up to the second story balcony of this house and threw that brick right straight through the windshield of her brother's brand new Oldsmobile and said, because listen, a mother's love for her children, that's a tenacious love. That's an aggressive, almost combative love. You do not want to be on the wrong side of a mother's love for her children when she thinks her children are getting a raw deal. You do not want to be there. She took that brick, threw it through the windshield and said to him, if my babies ain't eaten, neither is that woman. Mmm, feisty love. And, and with my mom, the fruit didn't fall far from the tree. My dad sponsored a little league team one year. And I was in high school then. And one of the guys I went to high school with, we didn't like each other at all. This guy and Gary Thornhill, we didn't like each other at all. And he's umpiring and we're at this ball game. Gary didn't like me, I didn't like Gary. You got that straight? We didn't like each other at all. 
Gary's umpiring, my little brother comes up to bat. Mom and dad are at the game, sitting by the dugout there. It's one of these big fields with several different dugouts in it. So little league games going on all over the place. And there they are, they're sitting there watching this game. And Gary Thornhill, all of a sudden the strike zone changes with my little brother up to bat. And my little brother's not getting fair calls. My mother noticed this and she was boisterous about it. And she knew Gary Thornhill because we went to that high school together. She knew him. She starts calling out to him, reminding him that he's not being fair and that perhaps there's something wrong with his vision. And she's even poking my dad to, to, to join in. So in the middle of my brother's at bat, Gary Thornhill stands up, takes off his mask, looks at my mom and dad, points them out, and goes like this and kicks them off the field. So they had to go all the way to the... No, no, Todd, don't clap about that. They... It's my mom. My mom got kicked off the field. And so they had to go to the other side of the field and watch it. The game's over. We walk back over to mom and dad so we can head on home. But my mom and dad wanted to have a conversation with me. And my mom said to to me something that was uncommon for her. She said, "Uh, Tiger, can you whoop Gary Thornhill? (laughs) I said, yeah, mom, of course. And her next question was even more strange. She leaned forward and said, when? (laughs) When can you do this? I was like the family hitman, you know? (laughs) Because my mom thought her youngest was not getting a square deal. That's a tenacious love. That's an aggressive love. That's a combative love. And you're saying, oh, are you going to go and tell us now that that's the love God has for us too? I'm going to say, absolutely. He does. He's like a mom in that regard. He does not sit by passively yawning, waiting for the next event. When he looks at one of his children and he sees us getting a raw deal, when he sees us dealing with oppression, when he sees that the strike zone has changed all of a sudden and it's one of his children, no, he gets involved. He takes action. Listen to these texts that remind us of that. 2 Thessalonians 3, I'm only going to read one verse, but it's faithful to the context of the whole book. The Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you. And then I love this, and he will protect you from the evil one. He's going to war when his kids aren't getting a straight shot and a fair deal. Going to war. Psalm 121, the whole psalm is only eight verses. You read this when you start wondering about the aggressiveness of God's love for you. Psalm says, the psalmist writes, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That's where my help comes from. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Remember the video? Oh, you get to sleep once in a while, right? No, you don't don't get to sleep. And he actually doesn't sleep. God doesn't need the baby monitor to know that you're crying out for help because he's never asleep himself. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. That's about the third or fourth time that's been mentioned. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and 
forevermore. This love that our moms have for us and had for us, that's an assertive, almost combative love. And so is the love that God has for us. Now, don't get mixed up. God is for peace and he promotes peace. He's the author of peace. But when he sees the enemy threatening your life, messing with his children, our God is not above a well-placed brick through the windshield or a much-needed butt-kicking. He fights for us. He defends us. That's something else that a great mom and a great God have in common. You were introduced in the last week or two to a lady named Toya Graham. Some of you know who I'm talking about. Some don't, but you'll all recognize it. She's been put forward and called the mother of the year, at least the mother of the year in, uh, uh, in, her, home, in her home state, in her city of Baltimore. She's the mom who on video was seen, she recognized her 16-year-old son was standing in the picket line throwing rocks at police. She left her home, went down to where he was throwing the rocks, grabbed the young lad, pulled him off the line, and pounced on him, smacking him upside the head all the way back to the house. Now, I'm not saying you should hit your children in the head. Don't hear me. I am saying it's a lot like God to see your child in trouble and not say something like, just wait till he gets home, but to get up out of your apartment and go find him and get him and pull him away from something that's going to destroy him. That doesn't represent family values. That's not in his best interest. It's controversial what she did, and I don't mean to endorse the backstory, whatever the rest of the story is. I'm sure there is one. There were a lot of words bleeped out when we heard what she had to say. But we sometimes miss the point. This is a mom who was forced to raise her son, her children, I think she had six, and one son, in a really difficult environment, in a tough neighborhood, where the streets were always after them. A mom who went to an even more volatile environment that was, she was not safe there, risked personal harm and even public rejection of her own son, plucked him out of the rioting, saved him from arrest and who knows what else, and by any means necessary, brought him home, even by force. On that day, and I said, again, I don't endorse everything we might find out from here on forward, but on that day, I thought, Toya Graham rocked. That was a mom that rocks, as far as I was concerned. On that day, in that situation, and in spite of the rough language that expressed her passion, that mother's love looked an awful lot like the love of God to me. Because when I'm on some line I don't belong on, throwing rocks at people who don't deserve to be hit with rocks, getting myself in all sorts of trouble because of some youthful passion or even adolescent pressure, I want a God who will come and say, come here, you knucklehead. That's not the kind of man we are. Now you get yourself home. Let's go. Grab me by the collar and take me home. I certainly had that kind of a mom. I want to remind you today that we also have that kind of a God. His love and the love of a mother have a lot in common. They're a lot alike. It's emotional. It's strategic. 
and when need be, is downright aggressive. 